Good morning. We are going to be reading today from the book of Matthew, chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for this opportunity to be together, gathered in your house. We thank you for the reminder, Lord, of um, the importance of um, groups of other believers, um, groups that are open and welcoming to to those who are close to you and those who are still seeking you. We thank you for this reminder from your word, Lord, that you care so deeply, Lord. You care so much for your people. I pray that um, as we go about our lives, as we interact with the people that we come across, Lord, that we would just remember that to see them as you see them with mercy, with love, that we would remember, Lord, that um, at one point we were all far from you and that our hearts would be soft to the people around us, that we would point each other to you in deeper relationship with you, Lord. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. What's up, City Lines Church? How y'all doing today? Welcome home. Hey, before we jump in, will you join me in welcoming those that are watching on Facebook right now? What's up, Facebook? So great to have y'all here with us today, whether you're in person or online, as we are in a new series called Welcome Home, which really it's for those y'all who maybe you're a college student and you've kind of come back to church, so we just want to say welcome home. Uh, maybe you have been far from City Lines, maybe you've, you know, you've been traveling or you moved out, now you've moved back. Welcome home. Um, or maybe you're like, it's been, I haven't been to church since the pandemic, and so now I'm back. Welcome home. We are so glad you are with us today. And there is a lot going on. In fact, this is a season of relaunching here at City Lions Church. And if you want more information on kind of what's going on, we actually created a special website for this called cityalliance.org slash season of hope. You can get all the information. We've got stuff on baptism. We've got stuff on child dedication, youth group, all the different things that are going on. Because one of the things that we are believing is that we are in a season of hope. Can I get an amen, church? Amen. We are in a season of hope, not cynicism, not fear, not anxiety, because we are trusting God. Because as long as Jesus is at work in us and in our city, we have hope. That's what we believe. You with me, church? 
Amen, amen. So we are going to declare we're in a season of hope right now. So we kicked off a brand new series last week called Welcome Home, and we talked about a story that many of you probably have heard. It's a story called The Return of the Prodigal Son. Here's a a picture of it from the artist Rembrandt. And really it's a story of two sons. And really we were kind of talking about the heart of our house, the heart of our church, uh, with these two sons. We had one son who was the wayward son. He was the younger son. He went to his dad and said, Dad, you're worth more to me dead than alive, so I want my share of the inheritance now. And he went and he left. He went on a bender. He went and he partied from here to Penn State. And then he partied while he was there too. Until the money ran out. Then after the money ran out, the friends ran out. And then he was like, well, I guess I have no other options but to go back to my dad. I can't be his son, but maybe he'll hire me. Maybe he'll give me a couple bucks so I can survive. But when he comes home, the father is so overjoyed that his son is back. He actually threw a party for him. He's throwing this huge party. But then there's another son. Another son who's also lost, this is the older brother, he was the dutiful brother, he's in the field, he comes home, he hears the music, he sees the dancing, he's like, yo, why are they playing Drake? What's going on here? He comes to find out that his screw-up brother's home, and now he's mad at his dad, and so he's not going to come to the house, because he feels like, I earned my spot here, I've performed well, I've done all the right things, so I deserve to be here. But instead, what both of these brothers learn is the reason why they have a place at the house is because of their father's love for them. They can't, they can't, you know, be good enough for God because God has loved them enough, accepts them for who they are. He just tells them to come home. And so that's what we talk about. That's the heart of our house. We want to welcome those of you that are far from God to start coming home. Maybe you've drifted in your heart a little bit, and now it's time to come back to the Father's house. He welcomes you back. And we kind of ended the service by giving an invitation for those who are far from God to actually begin a relationship with Him. And so that's one of the things we're going to be doing in this series. We're going to be making space for you. Maybe you're kind of on the fence. You're trying to figure out what do you believe about God? Do I want to follow him? Do I want to give my life to him? Well, this is a series where we're going to give you an opportunity to respond to the message, what we call the gospel, so you can begin a relationship with Jesus Jesus to find your place in his story. So today's message is really one that I call On Mission with Jesus, because when you begin a relationship with him, the next step is joining him on his mission. Now, one of the things I believe is that as human beings, we're basically made up of all these different desires. I mean, I've heard some people say that we are basically, you know, biological bags of desire. We have all sorts of desires. And one of our desires, I really believe, is that we are made for mission. And what I mean by that is we are all made for a purpose. There's a reason why we're on this planet. There's a reason why we are put here. Some people call it our purpose, our meaning, our telos, if if you're into the Greek. Like, what's our whole purpose for being here? And when we're trying to figure that out, there's a lot of reasons or ways that we can come to it, right? Uh, One way is we actually do what the culture says, and we assign meaning to our own lives. We, instead of looking outward, we look inward, and we kind of decide, this is why I exist. This is my purpose in life. This is the reason I define it. You know, you do you. you. You've got your purpose. I've got my purpose. And that's it. And I think many of us can resonate with that. It's like, you know, I, I can kind of figure out kind of why I belong on planet Earth. But the downside of that is sometimes our mission that we assign ourselves is a lot smaller than maybe the mission God has for us. And oftentimes, if we're so focused inward, we, we don't look outward. We don't see how our mission can actually help other people. In fact, sometimes it doesn't. It ends up harming people. And it's just very self-focused. So that's one way that we can kind of figure out where our mission is. Maybe we, we, we ascribe it to ourselves. The other thing is that religious people also have a way of finding out what your mission is. 
But the mission ends up being about following rules, right? If you follow these rules, you know, God won't be mad at you and your life will go well. And so we have all these rules and regulations to follow. But the truth of the matter is none of us are good enough to follow all the rules. None of us can perform well enough or good enough. And so that ends up in putting us into a place of frustration, which is why I really love Jesus, because Jesus presents us a third way, a a way where it's not so self-centered and self-focused that we get lost in ourselves, but a way that's not about rule-keeping. But actually, Jesus is inviting us to something bigger, something that he began 2,000 years ago, so it's going to outlive us. It's a mission that we hand off to our kids and our grandkids and the generations that come after that. And to kind of get ourselves oriented to the mission of Jesus, I want to take a look at a story that we find in Matthew chapter 9. So if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to Matthew 9. Otherwise, you can follow along on the screens. But Matthew is actually one of Jesus' biographers. Here's a picture of Matthew over I think it's a selfie or something like that. But Matthew was actually one of the one of the OGs. He's the original twelve disciples. So so he was following Jesus like right from the beginning, and, and so he wrote a biography about about what it's like. In fact, it was seen as a handbook in the early church. And so Matthew here was writing in this section that we're going to read his origin story of actually how he began to follow Jesus. And he starts to talk about it here in Matthew chapter nine verse nine. It says this: As Jesus went from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. Matthew got up and followed him. Let's pause right there for a second, because there's some things in here I want to, you know, kind of tease out a little bit. So first thing is we find Matthew in a tax collector booth. Here's what that tells us about Matthew. Matthew would not have won a popularity contest in his high school. Matthew was probably one of the most hated people in that culture, because he was a tax collector. Now, the reason why he would be hated is because the Romans who were actually occupying Palestine at the time had actually gathered a group of Jews and said, I want you to go collect taxes. Collect $10 from everybody. So a tax collector would go to Dan and say, hey, I'm supposed to collect taxes. Can you give me $30? He'd get Dan's 30, give 10 to the Romans, and keep the 20. That's why tax collectors were hated. They were seen as state, uh, basically state-sanctioned thieves. They were stealing from their own people, and they're seen as traitors because they're working with the powers that be. They're working with the empire. So there's all this tension because the tax collectors were seen as the worst of the worst. And one of the things that we see right from the bat is that Jesus actually prioritized spiritual outsiders, like Matthew. Now, a spiritual outsider in our culture is anyone that we would consider maybe their God. Maybe they don't have all of their life all together the way we would want them to be. Maybe they're the ones that we see less of. Maybe we, we put terms like the last, the least, and the lost. But Jesus always put a priority on these people. So when Jesus sees Matthew, most respectable rabbis would have passed him right by. But Jesus goes, no, 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 I want him on my team. You would have picked him last for dodgeball. I'm picking him first. So Jesus says, hey, Matt, why don't you come follow me? And that's where things start to get interesting in this story, where it says this, While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. So apparently, you know, Matthew starts following Jesus, and they're like, hey, let's have a party. Let's invite some folks. And all the wrong kinds of people start coming out. You get more tax collectors and other sinners. So whatever that catch-all is, these are all the wrong kind of people that are at this party with Jesus and his disciples. So you notice that Jesus isn't by himself. He's with his disciples, probably the bigger group. These are men and women that Jesus invested in and that later ended up changing the entire world. The reason why we're in this room is because of this group of men and women who use their leadership skills and their gifts and their talents to make an impact for the kingdom. 
So Jesus and his disciples, they're all kind of hanging out at this party. By the way, this isn't like a theological observation. I think that if you're invited to parties by sinners, you've got to be a pretty fun guy, right? Like, Jesus must have been fun. If he's getting invited to all these parties where he's hanging out with all these sinners and all this stuff. And so Jesus is at this party and and all these folks are here and they're hanging out and they're having a good time. But then the Pharisees start to hear about this party. And it says here, it says, The Pharisees saw this. They asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? So the Pharisees, we talked about this last week, these folks are like the religious... They're like the Marine Corps of religious people. So they're like, they believe this, that hey, if we want to be right with God, we got to keep all the ritualistic laws, all the rules, all the regulations, and we got to avoid all the people that don't have it together. We got to avoid the folks that struggle with addiction. We got to avoid the folks that, you know, they just can't seem to get it together. They're struggling with their finances. They're struggling in every area of life. So we got to hang out with the folks that got everything all together. That's how we know we're right with God. And they see Jesus who is able to do all these miraculous powers, is actually spending time with the very people that they think you're supposed to avoid. So they're very puzzled by this. So they don't go to Jesus. They actually go to his disciples. But, you know, Jesus overhears. So Jesus responds and says, On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who needed the doctor, but the sick. You know, last week we talked about this kind of spiritual sickness called sin. Sin is kind of like this moral and spiritual disease that basically separates us from one another. It it separates us from God. And we also participate in sin. When we say or do things that are wrong or or contrary to the ways of God, or maybe there's things we should have said. There's things we should have done. Or we participate in the broken systems all around us. So we end up being part of this kind of, you know, sinful cycle, and, and we're broken. We're problematic. And so Jesus says, those are the folks for after first. Those are the people that I am pursuing. And so then he goes on and he actually spells out his purpose to the Pharisees. He says to them this, he says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the who? The the sinners. Yes. This is Jesus' mission in a nutshell. To seek and save those who are the last, the least, and the lost. In fact, if I could kind of take this passage and boil it down to two ideas, the first is this. Jesus invites spiritual outsiders into his family. So the folks that don't quite measure up, the folks that don't quite fit in, the folks that seem like they're always got some sort of struggle or some sort of issue, those are the people that Jesus says, you I want in my family. You're the priority I'm making. Will you join my family? And then once we come into the family of Jesus, the thing we learn next is that Jesus invites his family to join his mission. See, Jesus' mission is to seek and save the lost, and it's a mission he invites all of us into. It's why his disciples were at the party. Jesus wants to extend his family by using you and I to reach out to them. That, that's what Jesus is creating. He's creating a family on mission. Now, a family on mission, that's not really a spiritual idea, but, but it's something that, that, that really is embedded in the culture that Jesus is actually using and running with. In fact, I love what the theologian Michael Breen says about this idea of family on mission. He says, Family for its own sake is too insular and myopic to carry its own weight. Meaning this, if if all we're focused on is family, we're, we're always focused inside. We're looking at ourselves and the people that are like us. But he goes on to say this, People are longing to be part of a, fa- of a mission that's worth living and dying for. And out of mission, they become part of a family that's worth 
fighting for. You see, normally we think, okay, if I have my family first, then we'll have a mission. But the way Jesus did is, no, no, no. Here's the mission, and the mission will form the family. So that when we are coming into the family of Jesus, we know that we are coming into a family that has a mission and a purpose. And we all share in that mission. We all share in that purpose. And it gives us meaning and identity and wholeness. But like I said, family on mission, that's not necessarily a spiritual idea. I mean, Tony Soprano is is a family on mission, right? It's, It's definitely very different from the Jesus mission, but it's a family on mission. See, every family on mission, it it takes a shape. There's an orientation for how it looks and how it flows together. And so just as Jesus has a family on mission, there's a specific shape to it. And so I want to talk about what that shape looks like. So if you're taking notes, we're going to be doing a little bit of art today. Any artists in the room? Any artists watching online? Awesome. Very cool. So I think there's sometimes a pad of paper in the pew in front of you here. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to draw a line about 45 degree angle, like something like this. You guys got that? I know this is a tough one, right? We're doing art in church. Okay. Then we're going to do, from the top, we're going to do another one right here. And then we're going to connect those two dots at the bottom. Now, what shape is this? Okay, it's not a trick question. You can say it a little bit louder. It's a, it's a triangle. Awesome. Yep. It's a triangle. Triangle's got three sides in it. And here's what I'd love if you could do. On the top one, if you could write the word up. Say up. Then the one here, write in and say in. And this one is out. Say out. All right. We got hand signals too. Up, in, and out. All right. Now let's do it again a little bit faster. Up, in, and out. Ready? Up, in, and and out. Awesome. You thought you were coming to church. You know you're going to be working out. All right. We're, we're working out at church today. Jesus had these three dimensions in his life, and it was echoed with his family on mission. There was a vertical dimension up. It was him and his heavenly father. Jesus spent more time getting away from the crowds and spending time in the presence of God. And he would spend time in that presence in prayer, just receiving from the father. It wasn't, God, I, I'm reaching up to you. It was him receiving the Father's love and the Father's affection and the Father's approval. And as he received that, he was able to pour that out in his other relationships. Jesus had in relationships. These were his disciples. These were folks that he was pouring into, that he was developing. He would, he would use them to prepare them for the mission, but they were also his friends. They were his family. They became really close. And then what drove him was those out relationships, those who weren't yet part of Jesus' family, those who were far from God, the least, the last, the lost. They were his priority, and they therefore became his family's priority. So these are the, the kind of the, the three dimensions that should also be in our lives if you consider yourself a follower of Christ. But just like with anything, right, like we can all find ourselves getting out of shape or getting off mission. Like maybe for some of us, you know, we, we don't really have that much of an out orientation. It's like, yeah, I have a lot of believers that I'm connected with, and, you know, I have a relationship with Jesus, but I'm in like five or six Bible studies, and, you know, I really just try to like, you know, be with God's people. And while, hey, it's important that you're with God's people, and in fact, if you've been a believer for any length of time, this drift naturally happens because you automatically start to drift towards people that are more similar than you, that share your values, kind of share the way you see the world. But ultimately, we we are supposed to be on mission, and when we're always inward, we actually don't get to be on the mission that God's called us to be. But maybe you're like, well, Nathan, I have a really strong relationship with Jesus. I don't really spend a lot of time with unbelievers or spiritually, you know, outsiders. But, you know, I don't really go to church or spend time with Christians because they're a little too judgy. But, man, I just spend time with Jesus. It's just me and Jesus all day long. And some of you might be thinking, well, what's wrong with that? Isn't it good to be with Jesus all the time? Have you ever met people 
that are so heavenly minded, they're like no earthly good. You ever meet folks like that where you're just like, I just want you to be a little bit real here. You see, it's good that we have a personal relationship with Jesus. In fact, we encourage you. But in the New Testament, one of the themes is that we are in community with others. Whenever you read the New Testament and you see the word you, it should be translated y'all. Okay, so if you're in the South, you get this, right? It's y'all. It's always to others. It's, it's not just to individuals, but it's to many people. And so when we are not in relationship with other believers and we're avoiding those who are spiritual outsiders, we're not on mission. And that's why it's important that we, we find ways to get back into shape. But maybe you're more like, well, Nathan, I'm with spiritual outsiders all the time. Um, but, you know, I don't really spend a lot of time with believers. I just don't have time, you know, with, with work and, and, and class and all that stuff. But I'm always with outsiders. But I don't really spend a lot of time with, with, with insiders, with other believers. So here's what I'd like you to do. Why don't you go ahead and draw that triangle with where you're at right now? No judgment. But go ahead and draw your triangle. Maybe you've got uh, your up dimensions like really, really solid, but your other areas aren't. Or, or maybe, uh, you know, you're, you're out, but you're not in. What does your triangle look like right now? Because this week, you're going to go to your city group, and you're going to share with them your triangle. And just kind of share, hey, this is where I'm at, and this is why I'm at. Maybe it's the season you're in, or, or whatever it may be. But when you share it with your city group, you can talk about how you're out of shape spiritually, and maybe ways that you can get back into the shape so that you're back on mission. But wherever you're at, you're kind of looking at your shape, and you're like, maybe you're, 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 you spend more time with outsiders, or wh- wherever you're kind of out of balance, I want to share with you three ways that you can start to get back into balance. And maybe if you focus on one of these three ways this week, you can get back on mission and back in balance. And the first is this, is to invite people into your life. Invite people into your life. And actually, we see this modeled by Jesus. Look what Jesus does in Matthew 9, 9. He says, As Jesus went out from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Now I want you to notice something here. Uh, Matthew isn't doing like a, a, you know, or Matthew is invited to follow Jesus. Jesus doesn't have a program going on. Jesus is like, yo, you, you should come to my revival meeting. Hey, you should come to my Bible study. You should come to the thing I'm doing to get people who are spiritual outsiders in. No, no. He just says, yo, I'm going this way. You want to come? That's it. He just says, hey, I'm going over here. Why don't you follow me? Matthew essentially just said, would you come and follow me on this way? You see, I think so many of us, uh, you know, we get out of shape because we think being on Jesus' mission means, all right, I'm, I'm super involved in church. I'm doing all these different things, and I'm super involved in all these programs. But really, it can be really as simple as inviting people into your life. Like maybe you're having a fire in your backyard, and it's like, hey, you want to come out to, to my backyard and hang out? You can grab a beer and just chat. It could be as simple as, uh, hey, we're setting out an extra place for a college student to come over for dinner because, hey, we just, we, we have enough food and we just want to make space and make that a priority. You, you see, we don't have to do anything special or, or kind of over and above. We can simply do what we normally do, but invite people into the rhythms and patterns that we've already set up in our lives. It can be that easy because people want to be involved in our lives, and we can actually make space for that. You know, for me, uh, this happened, or I saw this really kind of starkly um, with one of my mentors in college. Here's a picture of him. He's a guy named Ron. He's very affectionate. And uh, he, he was uh, our New Testament professor over at Nyack College. And so he had a house, like, right on the edge of campus. So, like, we had our, our campus here, and he'd be, like, on the edge. And I'd oftentimes just kind of walk by his house and, and just kind of say hi, and we just kind of—that that was it. Well, one day I walked by, he goes, hey, Nathan, like, 
you hungry? I'm, I'm, I'm grilling up some burgers and dogs. You want to, you want some food? And I said, well, I've actually already eaten, but I'll come hang out and talk. And so he's grilling food for his family. And as he's doing that, we're kind of talking about life. And I'm asking him questions of what's it like to be a dad and, and you know, be married and, and some, and just kind of his, his story as a person. And then a couple weeks go by, he's like, hey, Nathan, I'm about to take my kids to soccer practice. You want to come? Like, it's just like a 10-minute drive and go, well, I got, I got nothing to do. Sure. And so jumped in the car with him and his kids, and he, they went to soccer practice, and we're just, again, just talking about life, things like that. And I remember I had a question for him because I was kind of struggling through some stuff. And so I called him up and said, hey, is there a chance we can talk? And he goes, well, listen, like right now, um, you know, my, my office hours are booked, but maybe after I put my kids to bed, if you come over around like eight, you know, we can kind of chat then. And I got there a little bit early and, you know, I'm watching him put his kids to bed. He's reading his kids a story. He's asking them questions about their day. He's praying with their kids. And over time, one of the things I realized is I was actually learning how to be a follower of Jesus by watching my friend Ron just do his life. So as he's like, you know, making dinner, as he's driving his kids to, to soccer practice and back, um, as he's putting his kids to bed, and then we're going to go out and, and chat in the back porch, I was watching how he was being a husband, how he was being a father, the good, the bad, and everything in between. And I, I felt like, man, I'm actually learning, I'm actually growing because I'm being invited in to his life. And it had a huge impact on me. Guys, there are men and women in your lives that are waiting for you just to invite them in. Nothing different, nothing crazy. But maybe it's, hey, I'm making cookies. Who can I invite in to this experience? Uh, hey, I got to go get some groceries at the store. Who can I invite in to that experience? There are people around you that God has already placed in your circle that he wants you to invite in so that you can get back into your spiritual shape and back on mission with Jesus. Which brings us to the second step, which is this, to intentionally invest in spiritual outsiders. So let's look at verse 12. It says this, On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. One of the things that we see throughout the life of Jesus is he's intentionally reaching out to spiritual outsiders. I mean, he has the ability to connect with tax collectors and sinners, so much so that they invite him to their parties, right? That's amazing. We often get so caught up in being with spiritual insiders or, you know, with our own life that we forget to prioritize those who are far from God, those who are questioning, those who would never show up to a church, never show up to a small group, but maybe they'd show up in your life. They'd show up in your class, at work with you. They're a coworker. So how do we prioritize and make space for those that are spiritually outsiders? Now, well, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you make them a project, that you make them a goal, But how do you actually invest in their lives? How do you actually bless them with intention? I was talking to Brandon. He's our college director. And what he was telling me was, you know, Nathan, it's pretty cool what God is doing at LICO, like I'm in college. Uh, There's one of our, our girls, she's actually an RA. She's a sophomore. And she's actually been intentionally investing in freshman girls that are coming in. And she's a believer. And so these girls who are struggling with homesickness, they're trying to figure out where do I, where do I go for classes? So she takes the time out of her day, just to spend time with those girls, to, to, to care for them, help them, you know, navigate, you know, where they got to go for classes and how to basically do what they need to do. And she listens to them talk about their homesickness. Now, here's what she's not doing. She's not preaching at them. She's not handing them out tracts, but she's simply demonstrating the gospel. She's like loving them with the love of Jesus. And as she loves them, she eventually has opportunities to share Christ's love with them. 
But you see, that's the thing, is if we can actually demonstrate the gospel before we proclaim the gospel, people see it's got legs to it. They see that it actually has the ability to change lives because it's changing your life, and they see it in you. See, when you invite people and you make spiritual outsiders a priority, they actually get a glimpse of Jesus at work in your heart. And that actually paves the way for them to become followers of Christ themselves. You know, I was talking to some other folks, and I know that several of you are involved in various PTO organizations all over Williamsport. And what's funny is, like, as I, you know, as, as our families were moving to the neighborhood and we're kind of getting to know people, uh, those folks know who you are. They know your faith in Jesus. They even know where you go to church, which is incredible to me. That we have folks in our church who are using their leadership gifts, their spiritual gifts, in, in these parent-teacher organizations to be a blessing, not just to our own kids, but to all the kids in Williamsport, which is awesome. You're doing pro- gospel demonstration before you do gospel proclamation. And that's so, so important that we're actually taking time to invest in spiritual outsiders. So maybe you're here today and you're like, well, Nathan, I don't, I don't really know any unbelievers in my life, but I believe that God's going to give you some opportunities if you ask him and you keep your eyes open. There's people in your circle that are spiritual outsiders that you have the opportunity to invest in. I want to look at the last step here, which is step three, which is to go and learn together. Go and learn together. Look what Jesus says in verse 13. He says to the Pharisees, Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. I think it's interesting here that Jesus is talking to the religious elite. What he's essentially telling them is, you guys got to go back and read your Bibles. Okay? You clearly did not do a good job the first time. Because you see, the Pharisees were the religious elite, and they were looking at these ceremonial laws and all these ritualistic laws, and they're like, okay, we got all this stuff together, but they missed the heart of it. So Jesus is actually quoting them scripture. He's quoting them Hosea 6 6, which says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Guys, don't you know that God's heart is mercy? That God's heart is generous? That God's heart is big? He has a heart for the spiritual outsider and those who are on the inside who maybe are drifting? He, he wants to include all of us and bring all of us home. But he says, you guys got to go back to the scriptures. You got to be formed by scripture. And kind of like what I said before, oftentimes we think, okay, I've got my personal quiet time, my personal devotions, I'm good. But you see, the scripture was never meant to be a one-on-one act. I mean, I, I hope you are studying the Bible on your own. I hope you do have personal devotions. But Christianity is a team sport, which means we all need to come together to study God's word. We all need to come together and read it and understand it and obey it. In fact, since the beginning of the church, this has been embedded in our DNA. Look what it says in Acts 2. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now, it wasn't I. It was they. It, it was this idea of all of us are doing this. You know, this past week, uh, my wife and I joined our city group. It kicked off, and we ate together. We broke bread together. We opened up the Word together. We read Scripture. We wrestled with it. Like, what does it say? Like, uh, what does it mean? And then what do I do with it? How do I live this out this week? And, and as we did that, we actually were experiencing the Holy Spirit start to change us and transform us from the inside out. Guys, I want to encourage you, if you're not in a city group, I encourage you to get in one. Because if you want to experience deep, deep, foundational-level transformation, it can only happen when you're in community with other believers. You know, to be a family on mission, it's important for you to be in a family. And that's what our city groups are. They offer that spiritual family connection here at City Alliance Church. You know, it's important for us to gather together on a Sunday morning to, to hear God's Word, to worship together. You know, but all of us, if you notice, we're sitting in rows. And rows are important. 
But here's what I want to share with you, is that circles are stronger than rows. So here's what happens. You can hear a message, but as soon as you leave here, you forget about it by lunchtime. But if you hear a message, and then you're meeting with your city group, and you're bringing your triangle to them to talk about it, it actually has a chance to actually do deep, deep transformation and deep, deep life change. It's important to have both. Both come together to worship, to gather, but also come together and to be in a group, to study God's word and see what it says. So I want to encourage you, uh, just like Jamie did before, to join a city group. You can talk to Jamie in the back uh, and join a city group that way. You can go on our website, cityalliance.org groups. You can get information on all the groups that are meeting. Um, we've got some new groups that are standing. Because remember, we're in a season of relaunch. And I don't know about you, but every time there's like a new season, I'm always thinking, what patterns and habits do I need to reset? This is the fall. This is a great time to make sure meeting in a city group is part of your pattern, part of your habit, part of your rhythm of what you do during the, the year to grow close in your relationship with God. Because remember, Christianity is a team sport. We need one another in order to grow together. So I want to encourage you to join our family on mission. You know, I said this earlier, that maybe you're here today and maybe you consider yourself a spiritual outsider. Um, Maybe last week, you know, you heard the message and you're like, I'm not really sure what I need to do or what my steps are. Or maybe you're kind of wrestling with whether or not you wanted to begin following Jesus. Well, like I said, this series is called Welcome Home. And we have a father who wants to welcome you home if you've been lost, if you've been struggling, if you've been far away. And so if, if you're here today and you're like, you know what, I've never began a relationship with Jesus, and, or I don't remember beginning a relationship with Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to start that today. Because there's a difference between biblical Christianity and American Christianity. In American Christianity, we, we believe in God, but as followers of Jesus, we believe God. See the difference there? We can believe that God exists and he's distant and far. But what Christianity teaches is that we have a God who's a father who wants us to call him daddy, who's approachable, who wants to welcome us home. He's not angry or distant. He just sees you lost and he says, it's time to come home. I want you to know who, who I am. I want you to embrace a relationship. So if you're here today, I just want to just really talk about real quick what the gospel is. You see, Sin is a spiritual disease that separates us from God. And sin all needs to be judged, needs to be removed. And so that's why Jesus came. He, he took our sin upon himself so that we could enter into a relationship with God. He, he makes us new. Maybe you heard the term born again, but he makes us fresh and new and clean. He makes us born again so we can be able to approach God and we can be in relationship with him and then follow him in his ways. And if you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. It's a really easy prayer. In fact, uh, you can repeat it right after me. And really, it's nothing magical about it. I just want to give you words to articulate possibly what God is doing in your own heart right now. So here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to just repeat these words after me. In fact, why don't we all do it so no one feels um, put on the spot. Just repeat these words after me if you want to begin following Jesus. Lord Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. I choose to believe in you that your death on the cross gave me eternal life. I commit to follow your ways. Change me from the inside out. Heal me from the inside out so I can be your son and your daughter. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Can we welcome new brothers and sisters of the faith right now? Welcome. And I want to talk to those of you who maybe you found yourself out of shape and you're no longer on mission. I want to encourage you. Whatever it is you need to do this week, maybe you need to invite people into your life intentionally or prioritize spiritual outsiders or maybe it's, okay, I need to get into a group because I've been doing this thing alone, but I need to do it with others. Whatever it may be, whatever that step is, would you take that step this week? I want to pray with you and then let's worship together. Holy Spirit, I pray for my brothers and sisters right now who, like me at times, get off mission. We, we get focused on whatever it may be. Maybe we're just busy and we haven't had time to reflect. But God, would you help us get back on shape, back on mission, where we're directed towards you, the insiders in our life, but also prioritizing those who are spiritual outsiders so they can also begin a relationship with you, God. As we go into our week, Lord, help us to be intentional in our relationships and follow you wherever you lead us. In your son's name we pray. Amen.